You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I'm your host, Dan Healy. Before we come into today's episode, as always, please check out the YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV. We have all of our stuff on there. It is the hub for everywhere you want to go. So you've got our game day from the UK, live pre-game streaming show that we do. We've got all our other content as well. All our podcast episodes go on there. Our um, shot recreation of the week, our W dollar stuff, everything goes on there. So please hop over to uh, YouTube and check out Miami Heat UK TV. On to today's episode and delighted to bring back one of my favourite people on this sphere. The guy that has so many talents, blesses our ears with his incredible podcast, blesses our screens now with the Miami Heat uh, um uh, hosting platforms and and if that wasn't enough he even gathers and clutch stray balls straight from <laughs> call in miami heat uh, action it is of course jeremy tache jeremy how are you sir i'm great man it's so good to be here with you uh it's been too long excited for our first episode of, of hopefully a bunch this season um and yeah it's great to be here with you man thank you for for all of the compliments it is, it is awesome. And the uh, let's very quickly come straight on to that. That incredible, like, just it, not only did, did you just take it with, like, in your stride, it was like the throwback as well. You looked incredible <laughs> in this suit. It was just like, it, do you think that if you could go back again, you would do it as coolly again? Or would you rather go for the viral hit and just let it smash you in the face? Right. So, okay. So, so for, for those, uh, for those unaware, um, I was sitting courtside uh, Thursday night against the Hornets. It was my third game working sideline for the Heat. And uh, a ball was tipped out of Gabe Vincent's hands onto the sideline um, where I was sitting, where if you look at it in slow motion like the video is, for just a second, I don't really process that the ball is headed my way. Like I'm still looking at Gabe going by, and the ball is flying at my face. Um, and I expressed the probably the most athletic thing I've ever done, which is just putting my hands in front of my face and catching said ball. Uh, but what, what made me laugh looking back at the video myself, cause I, you know, in the moment I was like, Oh, thank goodness I caught it. But I didn't realize it was pretty funny because I threw the ball back, gave Max a little head nod, like before I did just to be sure, like, Hey, do you want the ball or the ref, whatever passed it back to the ref had the straight face and you see as soon as they turn is my realization of like oh my goodness that should have hit me right in the face and 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 right when that video ends the next thing that i say um to the charlotte hornet sideline reporter who was sitting next to me was i should have let that hit me in the face i probably would have gone viral it would have been a huge moment and i probably should have just let it hit me in the face i think if i could do it again i probably would yeah, it was it was great. It's one of those things where yeah, it's one. It would would have probably have been on NBA TV. It would yeah, have gone exactly. everywhere. But then you would have been known for that guy. That, oh, that's the guy that got smashed in the face by yeah, the I don't know if that's. Yeah. I don't know if that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a great moment. It was a great moment. Uh, Jeremy, um, we got some heat basketball to talk about. But before we do, I want to, if you can, just maybe do ten minutes of your career and your rise through what's been 
an incredible journey. I love success stories. I love hearing about guys that work hard and do well. And that's exactly what's happened to you. And um, But before we go back to maybe the start, I want to just go very to, to the absolute present because I've spoke to you a couple of times and it's been great to speak to you. But I was recently out in Miami and I got to finally meet you and spend a few a few moments with you, which was brilliant. Um, and on the very last game that I was there was the Raptors game, which was the mm. same day that you had been uh, your first day where you're always going to be presenting. So you was going oh. to be on telly presenting. And I'd been credentialed by the Heat, which was incredible. And I sat there in the uh, SPO pre-game press conference and I was sitting there in awe thinking, oh, look, you know, there's Eric Reed and there's, Corey, and there's Coach Fiorentino and there's uh -huh. Jax. And then suddenly, I'd met you the night before, but suddenly you came and sat next to me in this incredible burgundy suit. And oh. you gave me a little fist bump <laughs> and you said, how you doing, man? And I've got to say, I've never seen anybody so visibly nervous <laughs> as you were that <laughs> night. And I didn't say anything. I just said, big night for you, man. And you went, yep. Yeah, oh. and of course you went out and you smashed it and done a great job. But just very quickly before we go back to maybe some of the early days, how was that first night for you? How surreal was it, and what an experience it must have been? Surreal is the right word. Um, I'm I'm glad you could sense the nerves because uh, they were there, and for a combination of reasons. Actually, for whatever reason, that morning I woke up with no voice. All I do is talk all day long, every single day about sports constantly and everything else. I'm talking and talking and talking and I never have these issues. And I wake up the morning of my first game and my voice is basically gone. So I was drinking more than prepping for the game. I was just drinking tea and gargling salt water and oh, lozenges and the whole thing. And so some of what you sensed on me was on top of, Hey, I'm oh. nervous about doing the job. It was, I hope that I'm just not squeaking through the entire thing. Oh, and man. If you do listen to some of the interview, like the, I, I had enough to get through the, the post-game interview with Tyler on the court that night, but uh, I spoke to Max at the locker room. I think it was Max in that first game. Um, it was either Max or Duncan. And I'm, I mean, you can, I'm pushing every last thing that I got out, out of the, the, the voice because it was struggling, but realistically, like it, it was so surreal because, you know, I, I haven't been shy about it. I grew up a Heat fan. I grew up in South Florida. I am still, in a lot of ways, a Heat fan. And so for me, you know, Eric Reed is the voice of some of my favorite sports moments in my life. And it's on these broadcasts. And Jason Jackson has been there. And John Crotty. Like, it, it's really cool the way it's evolved over time. And I've watched it evolve over time. And... To be, you know, to have the broadcast happening in, in my headphones, not because I'm sitting at the game and cutting social media, which is, you know, awesome. And that first time that I was there and participating in that way was almost equally surreal, right? It was, oh my yeah. gosh, I'm working on a heat game, period. But to have in, you know, my IFB, the voices of these people who have been the voices of my childhood... <laughs> Yeah, but because now we're coworkers and I'm about to do a story, it it really was like in those final moments, in the final seconds before the first story was like, I just kind of looked around the arena for a minute and saw all the people and just like gave myself one sort of like deep breath of like soak this in for a second. Don't let it yeah. not be cool because you're so focused on doing good TV. Like let this yeah. be cool for a second, and it's been nothing but awesome since because. Literally everybody behind the scenes is so incredibly helpful and supportive and encouraging. And all of my fellow like 
people on TV, quote unquote, like, you know, every single person to, to a man and woman has been kind and supportive and encouraging and helpful. Um, and I haven't had a lot of time to go and ask questions and do stuff like that. But whenever I have, like they've been there, um, and it's just a really great team to be a part of, like in so many ways. So I'm just feeling, um, obviously really like, you know, blessed to be a part of it. Like I just feel very, very, very lucky. Well, it is, I mean, it's, yeah, lucky, mate, but it's, it, luck comes from hard work and for being very good at your job. And that's obviously done. And I'm really pleased that you, you sort of reflected then to that moment to just step back and actually embrace and enjoy the occasion as well, because I can relate to that. Even though I wasn't there as a, in any way, in a professional sense on my trip over recently to yeah. be sitting there. And I mean, I'm just a heat fan that started a fan account. 5,000 miles away and now right. suddenly I'm on court and I'm taking photos and I'm talking to guys like you know you and David and Wes and mm-hmm. and you know being in this press conference and standing sort of a matter of feet away from Spo and you've got to take that moment to just go that you and just enjoy the moment and um and that's uh that's really really relatable so uh yeah that's great stuff um let's just go back a little bit uh yeah. so I first came became aware of you uh before I even created this account um before I mean at the moment my sort of workload doing this and trying to provide content is Miami heat related all the time. So I've, even though I'm a big Marlins fan and I keep my eye on my Panthers and I've got really into the dolphins in recent years as well. Mm -hmm. um, I've sort of lost a little bit of trying to keep up to date with that. But before I started this account, I was big into my Marlins as well. And the first time I came across Jeremy Taché was uh, listening to swings and misses, which I thought was a brilliant uh, podcast. And then um, as I said, that, you won't know this, Jeremy, but I on my um, uh, personal account, which I don't even use anymore, huh. I was uh, coming over to uh, Miami to go and watch a Heat game and to go and see a Miami Marlins game, which ended up being postponed because of COVID. But I reached out to you to just say, for my personal account, to say, Jeremy, I love your podcast and I really I sort of appreciate what you do. And I'm going to be coming over soon and it'll be great if you're there. Can I say hello? Can we have a chat? And you'd never met me. You never, We'd never had any communications and you went, hundred percent so delighted you're coming over be great to see you and that sort of from then you sort of think this you know not only are you very good at what you do but you're so approachable and that really goes a long way with me so from that to then seeing what you did afterwards with Bally and your breakfast with with Jeremy which I loved as well because it kept you up to date with sort of snippets of what's going on with the Panthers and so on and then of course it's evolved from then from Miami Mike's up which is incredible to where you are today now, let's just start very quickly in your words. Now, I know we're, you know, we could probably take forever doing this, but just from where you started to where it is now, how did this career get going for you? Man, um, thank you, first of all. <laughs> um, I do remember when you reached out. And wow. I, I do remember that. And I can't believe to think that that was like pre-COVID. It's so yeah. long ago. Um, it's just wild because I do remember. Um, wow. And to, to sort of reflect on all of that is it, it's been something I've been trying to do the last few weeks. Cause it's also, you know, this isn't, it's this weird mix, right. Of right now, I feel like in such a space where I want to, um, kind of work harder to than I ever have before, like in any way where I just want to get better and better at this job and, you know, continue to like, search for the greatest opportunities like like this that have come about and so there's still this like major yearning of of you know wanting to continue to work hard but i am trying to sort of 
you know, take a second, like we just mentioned before to go, okay, no, this is like, <laughs> this is cool. And you can yeah. be excited about it and view it as like a milestone to where, yeah, reflecting is okay. And so when I do look at that, I just think so much about a combination of things. Um, number one, there's no one path for anybody in this business. Um, and number two, you can't do any of it without like support and opportunities from other people. So uh, just to touch on both the no one, I mean, I guess they sort of go together, but you know, when I graduated from, from school, I thought based off the experiences that I had had, the internships that I'd had, the work I'd done at UCF, I was convinced like, Oh, I'm going to be able to get, you know, a some really cool job right away. And, be fine. And I graduated and I was unemployed for four months and my parents supported me. Like I lived in home and I was applying for jobs and I was lucky enough to have that support. And the first gig that I got was down here in South Florida, was in Miami as an associate producer at a local TV station. And that was because the right person knew somebody who I could email to at least get an interview and there were no guarantees, but I was able to find my way in, right? And so there's the support of, of others and people willing to build you up. But most people, including my own coworkers at Channel 7, were like, hey, stay here for six months to a year and then go to the middle of nowhere and, you know, take your lumps, be the weekend reporter in the middle of Wisconsin or wherever else. And that's the path, right? Like, that's your way to get on TV. Yeah. That's what you want to do. That's what you're going to have to do. And I was like, I don't know. I kind of feel like media is changing a little bit and yeah. there's all these other avenues and podcasts exist and social media exists and, you know, are there ways to do this? Right. And then I was lucky enough that Ethan Skolnick had founded five reasons and yeah. Craig Mish was founding swings and mishes underneath that brand at the time. And I was given an opportunity to be a producer of a podcast. I had never done it before, but because I asked <laughs> and because I put myself out there, yeah. they gave me a chance. And Craig, I really have to thank so much because he's constantly built me up and he's constantly, you know, um, been supportive and also like wanted me to take what is mine, you know, like yeah. he's wanted to give me shine when um, yeah. he feels I deserve it. And he's allowed me to grow in like that host role. And a lot of the techniques that I learned in sort of probing and, and prodding there with Craig in a, in a friendly way are the thing like on that podcast are some of the things I've taken out of Miami mic'd up. Yeah. And so each of these opportunities, each step of the way, it's had to be a sort of a conscious choice of like, all right, no, I'm not going to leave Miami. I'm going to keep trying to break through this market and find a way I apply. Like I, I applied for the job that I have at Bally and was rejected from it before I ever got it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it took continuing to pester them. Hey, I have ideas. I have ideas. I have ideas for ultimately a role to open. And so it's the combination of, of going for what you want and trying to create a path that you feel can be achieved, but also knowing like it takes luck and it takes support. And I know that like, without the right people taking chances on me at a bunch of different times, none of these opportunities would have happened. And that dates all the way back to an internship in college where yeah. someone's 
like it was literally and I, i'm not i'm not going to be someone who name drops but it was like someone in that office their assistant who didn't even work on the show that i was applying to be a part of saw my resume saw that i put that i played music on it said that's pretty cool you should hire that guy and that's how part of how i got my first internship that sort of well, sparked all of this so it's all about putting yourself out there so that luck can break your way but i also know that without a lot of people sort of supporting, none of the things that I've been able to do would be possible at all. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I know that was a lot of like roundabout talking is to get there, but um, right. each one of those steps have been a joy and I'm just feeling really lucky to get to do any of what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I, I totally get what you're saying, but the bottom line is that it, it comes about if you're, you're going to be creative and you can fit in new concepts and you just damn and you, you're good at what you do and you've got the personality that will shine through your work as well. It's a winning formula. So it goes hand in hand. And just before we come into the heat, just very quickly yeah. about the Miami Mike's Up stuff, which I love. You've had the um, privilege and, uh, you know, uh, to, to speak to some of the, the greatest athletes in South Florida sports. Has there ever been an opportunity or a, a, an occasion there throughout all of them where you've gone and you thought, Oh my God, I'm interviewing X today. Has there any of that ever yeah. sort of stopped you in tracks and gone, Oh my goodness, this is a different level. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and it was the, it was the first day um, interviewing Jimmy and Kyle and all those guys. So yeah. last year um, and each of the last two years now I've had a setup at, at Miami heats internal media day. And so it's basically a station for these guys to come through for 10 to 15 minutes, chat with me, whatever. But this year, you know, I felt much more comfortable. I've done 50 something episodes by that point. You know, I'd had conversations. I'd spoken to Sandy Alcantara in the middle of his Cy Young yeah. year. I'd already spoken to a lot of these guys. Like some of the, the shine of that, you know, I have nerves before every single one. I have nerves yeah. before talking to you because I think if you don't. <laughs> You, you don't care about what you're doing, right? Like there's got to be a little something there. Um, I, I always feel that way. And so, and I'm glad that that exists, right? I wouldn't want that to go away. Um, yeah. But that first uh, weekend talking to all of those guys on the show, mind you, I had only, I had been either in a studio or which was like a comfortable environment that I'd been in or I was in my house. And now all of a sudden we're inside the Heat's house. We are three different cameras, a whole lighting crew, banners behind me. It's six thirty in the morning when we get you know, we got there earlier than that. By the time we're starting, it's like seven o'clock. And I've only done like five interviews to that point for the podcast. Like there were five episodes before we did these interviews. And they were mostly with people who I already had a pretty comfortable relationship with. You know, not people I had never actually officially met. And oh, the man. very first person to walk into the room was Kyle, who, mind you, I have now, at least with Jimmy and others, like I'd been around the building. Maybe they recognized my face. Kyle was brand new to the team. Yeah. And he walks in and he has no idea who I am and what this is and what we've got set up. And I'm like, OK, how am I about to break the ice with veteran all-star point guard Kyle Lowry? I'm like feeling like I'm 12 years old in comparison just because of the newness of the position. It was, it was ridiculous and it was wonderful. Um, and I would say, look, there's been a bunch of people who I've kind of had the, like in the five minutes leading up, you know, your heart's beating a little faster and you're like, holy cow, I'm about to talk to Dontrell Willis or, you know, people from childhood. But that yeah. was the first one where I was like, okay, this is, we're throwing it all out the window. This is a completely new thing. 
Oh, it's incredible. And I, I just I love the fact that we've we've done it a little bit different today because to to um to just come off of the heat stuff and just talk to somebody who has progressed so well and but still we can hear those sort of stories is uh is brilliant. So it's such a, a great angle to to come in and I really enjoyed uh, discussing that. Thanks for sharing some of, of your experiences and I'm and I'm glad that um you know, even at this stage, you can still get nervous about any episode because that still goes through anything that I do. Every podcast, every live show, there's still that little bit, oh, I hope this goes yeah. well about it. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome stuff. Awesome. Let's talk a little bit about Heat uh, here, Jeremy. Um, a big, big win against the Suns last cut time out. And um, by far the best game of the season, a great comeback. To win it on defence always feels special as well. Uh, the arena was buzzing. The energy in the locker room, by all accounts, was a different level. It feels like the season has started now for the Heat. Yeah, I mean, that was a a really big win headed into what's bound to be a pretty tough road trip, right? Yeah. Like, and tonight it starts, Bam is out tonight, and that's, yep. you know... We've seen the splits of when he's on the court and when he's not. This team is completely different when he's not there. And, you know, who knows if they can scrap something together, whether that's with Orlando Robinson or <laughs> Nikola Jovic or Jimmy Butler playing the five. Like, you know, who knows what that means tonight. Um, but on the same token, looking back at Monday, it felt like a different type of win. You could yeah. feel the energy from the team um, headed into the game. Like you felt it after the Charlotte game of like, all right, there's this urgency of let's end this homestand on the right note. Let's get back to 500. And you have the Suns there, a very good team, whether they have Chris Paul or not. And obviously not having Chris Paul helped Miami in those final minutes um, for sure, because they were able to kind of put the clamps on all the other guards besides Devin Booker. And what was really most impressive about it was that you saw a spurt of the type of defense that you want from the Heat. We haven't seen that yet for 48 minutes in any game that they've played. Um, but when you see spurts of five or six minutes of the team defense that you're used to from last year and even years prior, it gives you hope and it makes you optimistic that chemistry really is more of the issue than personnel. Yeah. Um, and, and it seems funny. Like I, I've been saying this to a lot of people, you know, because the term was sort of run it back right? Everybody views it as this is a team that's played a lot together that, you know, has been together for a full season. The only guy they lost is PJ Tucker. What's the difference? It's like, well, Omer Yurtsevin is yet to play. He played yeah. a lot in the middle of last season. He wasn't a part of the rotation at the end, but he's yet to play. Was supposed to be a part of it. Victor Oladipo was playing a lot toward the end of last season. Your starting lineup changed. Your starting power forward changed. And so the personnel groupings of who's out there at different times, some of these guys did not play a lot of minutes together last year. Yeah. And for a team whose defense, while Bam is a great individual defender and Kyle Lowry can be a very good individual defender and Jimmy Butler is a great individual defender, this team is at its best when there's team communication on defense. Mm. And if you have groups of personnel who haven't played together a lot, that's where you're going to lack is in communication. So the hope is that in the first 20 games or so, maybe by the end of this stretch of 8 of 10 on the road, you see the defense continue to start to tick up. That's why that win was so huge is Bam being aggressive on offense and the team's defense is what ultimately saved the Heat. And those are the two things where you're like, if it's going to be something special, yeah. those are probably the two recipes that you need to make it special this year. 
Yeah, and it, it felt like, as I said, it was like an identity performance, which was great to see. And uh, to your point there, um, you know, about running it back, and yet those two players, with with Victor Oladipo especially, but also Omar Yurtseven, you know, neither of them have played yet this season. And you can't tell me that those two players who are defensively equipped to do a great job are not going to help give you wins in stretches where you need... 10 minutes, 12 minutes from each of these guys or just a handful of minutes from someone like Omer uh, just to come in and just to, to, to continue to lock it down, which is what part of what the Miami Heat culture is all about. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with that, that, you know, it is a running back thing. But as of yet, we haven't been healthy enough to be able to see it. And that's why it's been an up, up and down start. And I think is a real reason for that. Just to quickly on Oladipo then, um, we haven't seen him yet this year. We know it's another... Um, knee injury, but the opposite knee, and it's a um, it's a uh, uh, a worrying sort of sign. Now, every time that I've seen warm-ups, he's been out there, he's shooting, he's fine. But we've just heard again from I think um, Anthony uh, to say that don't expect him back anytime soon. There's no timeline on it. Um, just being around, have you heard anything, or have you spoke to Victor at all? Is he, you know, what what's the situation? Do you know? Yeah, I wish that I did have some inside information for you. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't. Um, Vic seems to be in, in pretty good spirits in a general sense, right? Like when he's around, he's having fun yeah. with the guys. He's going through warm-ups before games and, and looks pretty comfortable. Um, but at the same time, you know, I haven't had a conversation with him about this. You know he's got to be just in, infuriated and frustrated, Um and and I sure would be if I was him. Um, and, and so what we don't know is how much of this is like pain tolerance versus anything else. Um, but like, if I know one thing, it's that that guy is very tough and can tolerate yeah. a lot of pain, clearly based off of the rehab painstakingly that he went through over the last couple of years to get back. Um, so the hope, you know, has to be rest and recovery gives him an opportunity to at least work his way into a rotation even if it's sort of spotty like hey we've got you on minutes restrictions and all of those things if that's what it takes um but you know he desperately wants to play it's just yeah. now a matter of you know when is he going to be out there and I, I wish i had some more info on that it is he is somebody who i'm i'm hoping to talk to sometime in the next couple of weeks before the next game that i'm back on the sideline um but yeah. it's not it's not something that I think a lot of us have information on at the moment. No, and and to that point a little bit is this is one of the things I sort of get it, but this is one of the things that you get with Heat Twitter that gets that they get a little bit sort of despondent about is the fact that Miami are never transparent with any sort of injury news. They keep everything close to their chest. They don't release any real information about it, and. I get why they do it because they don't want to put something out there and then you expect delays and then everyone gets pissed off because of it. Right. So I, I understand the reasoning, but do you think on something like this where it is a bit of a mystery, all we really know is what the injury is or what we know where the injury is, but we don't really know what it is and how serious it is. Do you, do you think that, that to appease people and to calm people down a little bit, it would help with a little bit more transparency from the team? I mean, I, I guess, but what does that really do? Like no, to, me, yeah. to me, I have no... I've never really had an issue with that, particularly on injuries. And I get it. You know, we need to have information to be able to form our opinions and write our story. Like, but it's more for for the entertainment sake of it, right? And so if this guy is going through something where 
it is sort of day to day that they're still learning and managing and figuring out exactly how he feels. Like, I I don't think that it really matters whether we had like a oh it'll be six more weeks because yeah is that really going to make anybody happy and then yeah. that's just going to be upsetting for everyone like so so to me it's almost like I think that the Heat like I think that we're all surprised how long it's taken Tyler to come back from this ankle mm -hmm. thing right yeah and I think the Heat would have been too so if they would have just said to us oh you know he'll probably be back next game. And that yep. would have been their transparent opinion at the time. Yep. Then what would that do for anyone? So oh, yeah. I, I've never, even as a fan, I never really had any interest in that. And I know as yep. like a journalist, you want transparency. But at the same time, like, is this really where we'll, we'll draw the line on organi organizations and having transparency? Like, yeah. I'm good with, <laughs> with the injury reports, you know? Yeah, you, you can't win either way. I totally, I totally understand it. But um, before I let you go, I know you've got one, uh, you've got other things to be getting on with. So last no, question before yeah. uh, I let you go, my man. Um, the East is a little bit weird at the moment. Keep suddenly seven and seven. Eight of the next ten are going to be on mm -hmm. the road. Now, apart from the top two with Bucks and Celtics, you'd probably put them there. And apart from the teams down the bottom, you know, the Pistons, the Magic, you'd probably have them. After that, you might as well have just picked out of a hat where you wanted the rest of the teams to go because it's a real mixture which shows how incredibly competitive the Eastern Conference is. With the Heat currently at 7-7, seven and seven, still some health issues, and now going 8 of the next 10 on the road. It's not something, although it's nowhere near panic stations, of course not, you don't start wanting to drop too far down because it can be very difficult to claw your way to get like a, a six or seven win game streak back to become competitive and in, in that playoffs again. Any concerns on your uh, front from in on that front? I mean, concerns, no, but urgency, yes. Like, yeah. I, you know, you don't want to go two and eight in the next 10, right? Like that, that would be problematic. Um you know, again, not necessarily like full on panic mode. I'm not ever, especially in the first quarter of the season, you yeah. know, going going to panic. But you don't want to go two and eight in your next 10. The hope would be that you can get four or five wins, right? Like if tonight, especially with tonight being without Bam oh, and already starting that way. Yeah. Um, the hope would be you get four or five wins and hover right around 500 when you get back. That to me would actually be a victory. And I know that. You know, some some people might be like, no, this was a one seed last year and we have expectations. And it's like, no, man, every season is brand new. If you the last three seasons do feel like one season, right? 2020, 2021 yep. and 2022 all kind of feel like one season. And this is finally a new one. But I know that we have that feeling. These are all totally individual moments. You look at the way teams played before the bubble and then in the bubble, you look at teams the next year. These are all separate things. So you have to take account of what the Heat have been so far. You have to take account of where they can improve. You have to take account of what the schedule actually looks like over the next 10 games. And then realistically assess and say, okay, four or five wins would feel really good. If you go over 500 in that stretch, I think you feel great. Um, and you just hope that you can manage without getting too banged up, having too many injuries, and sort of derailing what feels like some good momentum at the moment. Hundred percent. So, on in a yes or no, if I could offer you five and five over the next ten, you're taking it. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm taking it. I'm taking it and running with it for taking sure. It right and I know, Jeremy. I know that that might not be the expectations no. that people have, but to Man, me, it should be given the circumstances. Yeah. And it's not to say that they can't or won't win more. I think the team is better than that. But I'm just yes. looking at the present circumstance. So, yeah, you know, we'll see.
Well, yeah, beautifully summed up. I think that is it. It's not that the team isn't better, but the circumstances as of right now, with all the road games coming up as well, yep, give me five and five. I yep. totally agree with you. We'll see how the season progresses. Jeremy, it was great as always to talk to you. Um, you know, as I said, I really enjoyed this sort of different episode. I love success stories. I love people that, you know, have worked hard and, uh, and are uh, sort of blossoming from it. So um, it's great to see you on our screens and continue to do what you do uh, as well as you can, man, because uh, we love you for it. So uh, for those that don't know where you are, where can everybody find you? You're just the best, man. Stop flattering <laughs> me. Thank you. Um, everyone can follow me on Twitter while it still exists at Jeremy Taché. I really hope it exists. It's the only place where I like actually know how to kind of be funny a little bit. And I don't really understand all the rest of the social media humor. So I'm, I'm trying to learn TikTok. Uh, but yeah, at Jeremy Taché um, for tweets. And that's where most of my work ends up. So you can then watch me on Heat Games. Yeah, brilliant stuff, mate. Yeah, I hope it does continue to it because if not, I think we've only got about 200 or 300 followers over on Instagram. We don't really do a lot over there. So That's if this saying. goes wrong, um, I might be waving goodbye to the, yeah. to the, uh, to the content creation sphere. But there we go. Jeremy, great to speak to you again. Off you go to your next appointment. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I'll speak to you in a couple of months. Guys, we'll be back um, next week, hopefully with David Ramil. Uh, until then, enjoy the stretch of games. We've got four on the road now. Let's see how we can come out with that, but we'll analyze it next week. Take it easy, guys. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.